everybody. Today on the show, I have a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Lindy. I'm going to introduce her here in just one second. We're going to cut straight into the interview because that's how we do it. Uh, she is a school teacher who is back in the States now, but actually teaches English as a second language or first language, whatever it is. She, yeah, as a first language. She teaches it in China. And so she was there when, when um, everything started happening in Wuhan. She was in China. It wasn't in Wuhan, but she was in China. And so she kind of has a different perspective, which I think is really fascinating uh, and it's really new and different. And it's just cool to hear that story. But her origin story of how she got there is also pretty impressive and amazing and tragic and cinematic. And the thing about Lindy that's so beautiful is, and you'll see throughout the interview, she just has this amazing heart, this beautiful spirit. It's just, a, she's just so passionate about it. There's a, there's a moment I get a little choked up and flip off because I, I flip off the camera because I, I just couldn't hand, not the middle finger kind of flip off, but switch off the camera, I should say, because it, it was a emotional moment because she was really hitting home with me personally and stuff I'm dealing with. So hopefully something in this resonates with you. It's a really great, honest, raw conversation. There's no political agenda. I'll flash the card just so you know. It's all part of the same bit. There's no opinion. It's, you know, her opinion, my opinion. We're just having a conversation. There's, again, nothing agendized, no political statements, just two raw conversations. It was and is just a great thing. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Here it is. Uh, here's Lindy. Thanks again for watching it. We've been friends for a long time and I'm watching you on Facebook and, and I'm seeing what you're kind of, um, by the way, if I ever look this way, I'm looking at you, but I'm looking at you here, but, uh, I've, I I've seen you anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I've seen you on, uh, you look fantastic by the way. I've seen you, uh, followed you on Facebook and then I, you know, sort of your journey to even get to China is, you know, uh, is a journey, right? I mean, you've been through yeah. some crazy stuff. Uh, I'd yeah. love to ask you about it, like how you got to China and set that up. Um, are you cool with talking about some of that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm okay. open. I'm, I don't care. I have nothing to hide. The catch is though, your story though is so unique because you're an American citizen that you were there when this outbreak happened. You had to flee to kind of get back or whatever. I don't want to sensationalize anything, but you okay. left the country to get here. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was actually just looking back uh, through my uh, my Facebook posts during all of it. Um, because I, I don't really remember, um, it, things happen so fast and you get in that fight and flight mode and, you know, it's just next step, next step, next step. I had just returned from the Philippines because we were at, you know, on spring festival break in China. Um, I left my school thinking I was going to be gone for a week and would see my kids and my, my coworkers and my friends again. And. I kept, I got back from the Philippines and, um, you know, things before I left for the Philippines, they had already shut down Wuhan. They had already quarantined, you know, it was already a thing, but it wasn't a global thing yet. It was a China thing. And, uh, when I got back from the Philippines, you know, I was, I really was paying attention to what was going on. But even when I first got back, you know, I was there February 1st and 2nd, I was reading posts. I wasn't too concerned. I was just like, this sucks. But we were still like everybody thinking, you know, it's kind of like the flu, blah, blah. Well, then that day I went to the grocery store and I got my temperature taken before I entered the building, before I entered the store itself upon exiting. Um, and that was, and I had to wear a mask and I was used to that. Um, but that it just kind of that struck me as like wow they're really taking this seriously 
And I did have some thoughts about like, what are they not saying? Or, you know, what, like, because that's, you know, I mean, the Chinese government, unfortunately, you know, the people are on an as a need to know basis. They don't have that transparency that the American people expect. So they put a lot of their trust um, in the government. And they're just like, do what the government says. Uh, 100% of the people were wearing masks at that point. Um, but then it started getting global. Then it started expanding. And, and, um, and you know, China started talking about shutting, you know, I mean, shutting everything down. And I just had this picture. I mean, I was even having these, <laughs> you know, the I, I was sitting in my apartment, not having much to do because I was already, you know, it was home quarantined by then, uh, with the exception of going out, you know, grocery store shopping and everything. But everyone was saying, stay at home. I was thinking, you know, they're going to start shutting us down. They're going to start shutting flights down and all that. When that happened, I immediately was like, I don't want to be stuck here. Um, you know, the school that I work for, I'm an English teacher and the school I work for said that, you know, my boss was telling me, stay here. It's okay. Be cool. And I was like, I kind of want to leave. <laughs> and, um, you know, just not to be stuck in a place I, you know, I have minimal communication. Yes, I live there. Um, and I can communicate for basic needs, but being stuck for two weeks and, you know, being isolated, just being an ex expat in general, I'm just talking. Are you just... I'm just flowing. Are you, are you? No, no, no. I'm listening. I'm making notes. I have questions I can go back to. I, it's fantastic. I mean, listen, this is. Because I just, I'm a stream of consciousness speaker. You've got to tell me to stop if I'm just no, rambling. No, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. It's, it's all fantastic. Please keep going. Please do. Okay, good. So, um, uh, where was I, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I, um, yeah, just sitting at home and I just had this picture of, you know, what if these people just bust in with hazmat suits? Like someone in your compound is, you know, is sick, uh, you know, sent off to, you know, this facility. And, you know, my, I, I speak no Chinese. I can say, hello, thank you. I want a sausage, please. I can, very little. Um, I can't ask them what's going on. I can't, if I get myself into a situation uh, there, um, I can't get thorough information, the, the thorough information that I would want just to know what's going on with me. And so that I can tell my family and friends back home because, you know, I, I have a lot of people, you know, just looking out for me and rooting for me. So um, I wanted to be able, you know, I got to a point where I just wanted to be back here. I wanted to be back with my family because if I'm going to be stuck anywhere, I wanted to be home. Um, can I ask you real quick? Could we, cause, cause that's exactly in the line of it, of coming back to it, but could we talk about how you just to set up the context of why you were there, I think is kind of crucial. Like how did you end up in China teaching English? Like what, what got you to that point? Cause I think that'll also set up really well, you know, why coming back would be, you know, that's a big deal too. Right. Could you, and why you're even going back again. So could maybe you tell us how'd you end up in China teaching? Okay, so um, there is a couple of fronts there. Um, on a human, you know, kind of just uh, what I want out of life front, I've always wanted to live in another country. Um, I wanted to see another way of life, another way of thinking, another perspective. Um, also, I'm kind of drawn to, you know, just, uh, and, and it, you know, kind of an exotic kind of, you know, just, just live in and live someplace else. Huh, I just did um, experience another climate, another, you know, culture. And, uh, but I, you know, and I, and I had tried a few different times in my life. It wasn't practical. 
Um, you know, uh, a few years ago, I lost everything in a flash flood um, that made traveling light. And um, so I, you know, I, I didn't have all this furniture and all this whatever. I just had, you know, a few boxes of possessions that were being kept in storage at, uh, you know, a family member's house. And, um, you know, since the flood, I had been just kind of floating around tr being dependent on whoever could could support me because I was having trouble finding a job. I had been laid off. I had been, you know, the flood, I couldn't live where I lived anymore. So it was just all kinds of factors, um, you know, just living wise that uh, I was struggling with for years after the flood. Um, flood happened in 2016. And uh, so um, long story short, I had, uh, I was staying with friends in Louisiana. Um, they had a house with an extra room. Um, I was living rent free and all that. It was allowing me to hold a a job that, you know, doesn't, I, I, I work in administration, so it doesn't, um, you know, and I'm single, so I don't, it, that doesn't afford me a lifestyle, uh, an independent lifestyle these days. So, um, you know, I was depending on my friends. Well, they, you know, as is their prerogative, they, you know, decided to build a house. They weren't going to have room for me. So I had to make a decision within nine months, um, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I was, and, and the main thing was I was tired of being a dependent person. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to say I'm 40 years old. Um, you know, I've, it's, it's finances have been a struggle my whole life being single and not having a job that, you know, um, pays enough for me to live on my own. So that's one side of it was I had a practical decision to make about how am I going to move forward in my life and try to avoid this situation, try to come up with, you know, a career that I could have that I could both be satisfied in and also um, be able to, you know, afford to live. Um, so I, when, when this all came up, I was like, I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere in the world. I have no kids. I have no pets. I have no house. I have no equity. I have no, I have nothing here that can't, cannot be moved somewhere, you know, in boxes. Um, and uh, so I was on um, Facebook one night and I had stressed about this for months. I was on Facebook one night and I was in a group, um, just a Facebook group that I'm in. It's a fan group. And I unloaded all of my stress, all of, I mean, I just, cause we do that in that group. Sometimes I, I don't know if you're a part of any Facebook groups, they, you know, even fan groups, I said, they'd be really cool. You can get deep. I just unloaded all of my, every, you know, my situation. And someone was like, why don't you go, you know, why don't you get a TEFL certificate? Uh, TEFL is teaching English as a foreign language, TEFL and um, go move somewhere. And it's not like I'd never thought of it before. It just, again, it was something that wasn't practical for me at the time, I, for whatever reason um, in life. So I started looking into it and I was like, I've had so many people tell me I could be a teacher, that I should be a teacher and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I started looking around um, and I came up with China because honestly, it was, I felt the most, the cost of living there is so low and what they pay um, you know, uh, native English, native foreign teachers is so nice that, um, you know, I could go and, and as it stands now, I can tell you, um, ever since I've been there, I have been, you know, sending half of my money here to pay for student loans and bills and stuff. And I can live very comfortably in China on, uh, not very comfortably, but I can live comfortably in China 
on uh, on what I make. So that was the practical reason. Even the photos I've seen, like, uh, and I have a question about this too, but even the photos I've seen from you, like I, I enjoyed watching your journey. Like, I think your journey is fascinating prior oh, to the pandemic. Awesome. Seriously. No, I mean, I have, I have gooses talking about it. You can't see him right now, but I'm, I'm serious about, cause a, cause you're my friend and I've known you for a while, but it was actually someone taking a risk, doing something that wasn't like, Oh, woe is me. You were like part, I'm not going to drop the F bomb, but F bomb I'm going over, I'm going to go do it. And you did. And I was like, man, that is incredible. And then watching it, you were like, here's the apartments they gave me to look at. I mean, you were documenting your journey in such a way with such detail that it was amazing to me. And that's one of my questions too, though, is how are you able to, like, you're, I, I didn't think when I got, I went to China once on a flight and I got stuck. My cell phone didn't work. Nothing worked for me. How are you, how are you able to communicate? Cause you're able to like interact with all of us on Facebook. How is that? Is it okay over there? Is that considered okay to do and all that kind of stuff? No, <laughs> no, but many, many, many people do it. Um, we use a VPN um, and that uh, they, they know that we do it. It's kind of one of those, it's not okay, but they know that we do it. It's so, it's done in, on such a massive scale. There's, I don't think any way they can really stop it because whatever they do shut down, something else just pops up. Um, but yeah, just a, a VPN, you get find a good VPN service. There are many out there. Some are free. Um, some you pay for, um, you get better quality that way. And, uh, yeah, but that's how I, and, and that was, that's a must. That's an absolute must. It took me a while to get a VPN when I first came to China. And, uh, those first few, the, before that happened, that was rough because there's no, I mean, there's internet there, but you don't know what sites work, what don't. Google doesn't work. I am a Google fanatic. I Google everything. Any thought that pops in my head, I got Google up. Um, you know, and then I knew, you know, Facebook and everything. So um, as long as I have the VPN, I'm okay. Now, if something goes wrong, and they do sometimes have these sweeps of where the VPNs won't work. And that just, you know, they're just like, oh, the government's doing a sweep. It lasts for a week or two. And then... Um, you know, and then it's, and then they work again. Um, and during those times, there are other ways you can, do, you, you learn. Um, I learned, you know, all this stuff about how, how did, how do you know, how do you learn all of that? Google. And, um, you know, I mean, I Googled, I Google everything uh, before I do it just to try to have some expectation and, you know, of, of, of what I'm about to get into. Um, and uh, there's a lot of false information out there, but I, I joined, I, I joined forums, expat forums. Um, you know, I'm still on many of them. Uh, we keep a really tight community, a really tight expat community. Um, they're really cool. Um, we are all very helpful. Uh, you can absolutely ignore it for however long you want. And then you have a question, you can't really find it, or you want someone's opinion who's probably personally been through it. That's exactly who you go to. You jump on a forum, you jump in a group, um, you know, uh, WeChat um, is the social um, network that China uses and accepts and is it's okay with them. You don't need a VPN for that. Um, you know, there are WeChat groups, you have to be invited, but then once you're in, you know, information is everywhere. And um, I mean, you take some with a grain of salt, people that have their own, um, you know, experiences and attitudes and everything like that. You weed through those, use your best judgment. And um, you can, I can, I have a lot of faith in that community that they're, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to them now, you know, just getting, they're strangers, really. They're just virtual people, but we're all going through the same thing. 
and where um, that's where I'm getting a lot of information about what to expect when I go back to China, which I know we'll get to. And, um, you know, that's that they're the ones update giving me the most, I think my the most dependable updates um, as to what's happening there, what's happening with my community as that, you know, as it is the expat community. Um, you what know, about how like, and everything like that? Sure, sure, and 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 that's one of the things too. Is like uh, I, I, I'm in my mind because again, I I wanted to talk to you now that I have this way of doing it. I wanted to talk to you about being over there anyway. What is it? And now, of course, we have other issues to tie into it. But what was it like though? You know, we grew up uh, in the age of the of the Cold War and all that stuff, and so like that world was always painted differently. And then once I got into business, I started interacting with with people from overseas more. And once I did, I understood it wasn't quite what I had painted in my own head. For you, when you got there, what was it like when you, I mean, obviously there's language barriers and all that, but removing that was culturally, did it feel like as an American, when you landed over, did you feel pretty much like, cool, I'm just in a different place? Or did it feel like, was it, was there a little bit of sense of sort of pressure or anything like that? Uh, I, re uh, going back to, I read a lot before I left. Um, and most of the information that we received um, that I'll say, you know, I received, um, you know, available to me as an American and all of that on the internet and stuff. Um, I was expecting it to be a lot more traditional. Now, keep in mind, my travel in China has been very limited. I, you know, I've been to Shanghai. I've been to my home, which is about a 25 minute bullet train ride from Shanghai. And it's a city. So um, I think there are a lot of you know, more rural places. Um, my boss lives in a village that is, you know, very old village. Um, so it really depends. Uh, my experience has been mostly a modern one. Um, my experience, uh, Shanghai is very modern city. They, you know, I think it's, you know, one of the most modern cities in the world. Um, and uh, for them, it's, it's kind of like people as usual, business as usual. You just see, you know, it's kind of like being in New York or something like that. Um, the culture shock is real um, and it really doesn't set in until um, I think after the vacation time kind of ends in your mind. Um, I got there and I suffered from jet lag for about two weeks because it was a um, 13 hour time difference. And initially uh, I missed my, one of my connecting flights. And so I had a little bit of an issue with that. I was stuck in a Chinese airport. It was a local Chinese airport. Nobody spoke English. And I was very scared. That was a point where I was very scared. I was crying in the airport bathroom, you know, because, because I couldn't get a hold of anybody. My, I, my phone SIM card, you know, they, the American SIM cards don't work there. You have to buy a Chinese SIM card. But I couldn't get into, you know, because security is uh, identity theft and everything. I couldn't log on using my new phone with my new number and my Chinese SIM card. I couldn't log on to anything. So I was really scared that, you know, I, I just just of uh, being in a foreign place with all these people who didn't seem to really want to help. Um, older people there, uh, a little more um, leery of, of foreigners. Um I think just because they're not used to seeing them all that much, um, their their culture has changed drastically in one generation. And I'm even going to say two generations, it's changed way more. Um, you know, working at a school and working with kids and seeing the, and, and, and communicating with parents and communicating with grandparents, I see a huge difference in how they interact uh, with me. 
um, how they, you know, just kind of how they view things. Um, the more, the older, you know, generations that are still alive right now, the grandparents, they're still very traditional and very, um, you know, seem almost skeptical of me. Some of them either treat me with reverence or they just kind of, you know, hmm, kind of almost like a skeptical, you know, they just don't, because they don't know me. Now, when I first got there, um, there was so much, uh, to get used to um, culture because, you know, hum- I, the way I'm looking at it is humans, we are humans. We're all the same. I see, I guess that's the thing is I saw more what, what it's taken me so long to, to figure that to, to come up with this, but like, to me, I really feel like the difference, uh, the differences I see aren't as noticeable to me as the, as the similarities when it comes to American people, Chinese people, Chinese people versus Western society or whatever. Um, It is definitely noticeable that they have grown up in uh, a communist um, state. They have 100%, um, you know, uh, trust in their government. Um, They do what they're told immediately without question. And that ties into, you know, their response with the virus People were, you know, I was telling people while I was still in China when all of this just first started coming out, 100% of the people were wearing masks. Um, And here people still aren't, you know, it's a cultural thing about listening to the government and, um, and, and taking care of your community and taking care of your own. That ties into, you know, what I'm saying about foreigners, older people with foreigners are kind of like what, you know, they look at you like, what are you doing here? What do you, and none of their mamas never told them not to stare staring is big there if they don't know you if they want to know more about you if they're curious if if they they want to look at you they will and that's a really big thing to get used to there because here staring is rude there it's not rude um so there are many cultural differences and you have to understand that about people and it really does help um being there and being um acknowledging that Whenever I have a thought of like, God, I, you know, because some days I'm just not in the mood to be stared at, you know, and when you're in those first few weeks, those first few months with when the culture shock is really strong, um, it can get to you. It starts to get in your brain and and you can start feeling paranoid and and all of that. And that's just kind of part of the the process of um, of leaving. But uh, but that's that's really my biggest takeaway is that the similarities with us and Chinese people are more um noticeable to me than the differences um you know living having lived there for i think it's been like seven or eight months um i love them to death <laughs> i love them to death um well, it shows i mean it shows in your your post like it shows with your interaction with the kids and just again watching some of the cultural exchanges that you go through was it was it your birthday or somebody's birthday that happened over there there was something do I remember reading something about a birthday party or was it a wedding maybe well, wedding. Yeah. But you're probably talking about the wedding. Um, yeah. yeah the wedding, uh, one of my, uh, coworkers, one of my, one of the Chinese teachers had a wedding in October. Right. Um, and just and seeing after, your stories about that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, in, in the similarities and the, the, um, you know, the differences in everything. Um, I, uh, but you know, when you're going there and the culture shock, um, that was kind of compounded by what it takes to move there and to actually get settled there as a legal resident. That takes 
you know, with the paperwork and everything, it takes over a month. And so for that amount of time, I was waiting for, um, you know, I, I, I could, I can't, you can't make a bank account. You can't, you pay everything there with your phone. They have an app, Alipay, and you pay everything with your phone. I didn't have that. I didn't have, so I, you know, I had to have, I had to make sure I had cash, which I only went with a limited amount because I hadn't been working and I just moved to China. <laughs> and um, so I had a limited amount of cash. Um, you know, I was walking to and from the school, um, which wasn't a long walk, but it was hot. And, uh, you know, so it's just the, you know, being really hot, long walks, unfamiliar, not really being able to talk to anyone, um, you know, aside from my bosses and co my boss and my coworkers, which they're very, very helpful. Um, you know, just built in support system that, you know, they've gone above and beyond. I'm really, I'm really, really grateful for them. They're my family over there. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the, um, the community, the sense of community there is so different than here. Um, it's just kind of understood and there, there are public gatherings everywhere there. Um, you know, they're really, really festive people and, you know, community driven people. Um, they're always out and about with each other. Um, so this has taken their toll, you know, this has taken its toll on, on their mental health too. Um, I think they're just a little more ready. They're just a little more mentally prepared to do what is done. I think we're a little spoiled here. Yeah, no, that, and that's, if, if, we, if we can talk about it some, cause again, your perspective on this is like, I haven't seen anybody. And this is why I thought it was fascinating because I know you, you're highly intelligent, you're a lovely human being, but on top of it, like your perspective is one that I don't think people are, are hearing. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of terrible crap. It's Facebook. And so there's terrible crap all over Facebook, like with some various awful, you know, sort of racist sort of rants. And I don't think that people ever humanize themselves in that same boat of like these individuals lives were upended worse than ours in some cases yet. And I'm not saying I'm pro anything here. I'm just making a statement, but for whatever reason, they seemed as your words, they took it seriously from the beginning. Whereas we still had spring breakers down here at, at the beach, like not taking it seriously at all. What was it like? What were the moments like when it started happening? And you talked a little bit about it, but when it started happening in Wuhan, what were the moments like before, like right before you had to leave? I, I assume that's when it started peaking. What were those moments like? Where was there a sense of, was there a sense of fear? I mean, did you pick up on a sense of fear from the people around you, your community? I did. Uh, it was very much in the forefront of their minds. But uh, before I left, it was either a day or two before I left, I feel like. Uh, one of my um, co-workers, the same one that had the wedding, um, she said, uh, you know, Lindy, they have um, closed Wuhan because of the virus. And I said, what do you mean closed? Because we had, you know, kind of been following it. And I knew what she was talking about. She said, they closed Wuhan. I said, what do you mean closed? She said, they're not letting anybody in or out of the city. And my first thought probably everyone who's seen, you know, I, I, my first thought was like, oh my God, it's like outbreak, you know, there, and I just pictured part, scenes in that movie. And I was just like, oh my God, that was my first fear. That was when I first went, oh, and I think that was probably theirs too. If it hadn't happened before, we didn't talk about it. Um, but that was, you know, um, not long at all before I went to the Philippines. And when I was at the Philippines, I was, I was there. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to any anything outside of what I was doing. Um, you know, I just took that as a selfish week, but when I got back, it was a completely different story. Um, it, when I got back, that's all anyone was talking about. Um, I couldn't see 
my, you know, any of my, I couldn't go to school because, you know, the school was closed. They had said um, the school would be closing. They announced in the beginning of February that schools would not reopen on February 5th when they were supposed to reopen after spring festival, they were opening on the 17th. So it was delayed. And um, yeah, so, uh, but I, you know, I mean, when I got back, you know, the, the day after I got back, I went to the grocery store and that was when they were taking my temperatures and everyone was wearing masks. And, you know, that was when measures were all had already started, you know, coming into the, just, just the everyday life. Um, those measures were already put in place when I got back from the Philippines at the beginning of February. Um, and they were, you know, I mean, my boss just kept saying, yeah, just stay home. Don't worry about it. Just stay home. They were, they were like, keep calm and carry on was their thing. Just, you know, do what they say, stay home. Don't panic. They were very pragmatic about it. I didn't hear a lot of fear um, outside of the normal, like, you know, I mean, my boss had as a newborn, she, she has, wow. you know, a son as of November and um, you know, and she's ha still, you know, trying to run a school that isn't in right now, but, um, and also try to take care of me. That's part of her job and she does a very good job of it. But, um, but yeah, she was just like, stay home, you know, I mean, just, but everything was coming from the government, every decision made, PO, my, my boss, every decision made, it was, we need to wait for the government. We need to wait for the government. And they would come out and say, you know, this is happening. This is restricted. Don't do this, blah, 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 for this, for, until this date. Um, and which may change before that, before the date comes, it, you know. But it sounds like, and, though, that, that they were given information, though. You know, and some of the things that were over here that's bizarre, and, and I'm not comparing, again, this is not a pro anything video. Over here, though, sometimes we barely get the information like, you know, Mobile's still not even testing. Right. Or they just did or barely start. And over there, at least they're conveying information. It seems like they were way more reactive than I think a lot of people understand. I don't think I don't think that's been conveyed, at least in I don't consume a ton of media, but I don't think that's been conveyed. It seems like they reacted very quickly, very effectively. They did. And, you know, that the funny thing about that is I completely agree. And that was one of the reasons that when all of this first started and it was China and it was so, they had such a an immediate and strong reaction was what made me think, what do they know that we don't? Right. You know, right. What Fair do they enough. know? That they're not telling us is what I'm, you know, what do they know that they're not telling us? Because you know, we've got the flu over there in America and, you know, by the people dropping by the thousands and, is that, and, you know, what are they, maybe if we had the same measures, we wouldn't have the thing with the flu. I don't know. Um, right. but all I knew was they, yeah, they did. They reacted like severely and quickly and the people listened is the big thing. The people right. listened. Because right. uh, I think that's part of their, you know, I, I, I chalk that up to their culture. Of course. Um, that, of course. Their, uh, the, the, you know, the communists just, you know, listen to the government. That's it. They got it taken care of. And honestly, you know, I think, you know, from what I've seen, the months I've been there, I haven't been there in my life or whatever, but it's, they seem to think it's working for them. So, right. uh, you know, as far as their, their, you know, political stuff, but yeah, uh, so many differences, so many humorous comparison, you know, so many humorous questions I've been asked and had to answer and vice versa with them. They have such an odd view of America and Americans. Um, and, uh, they, when they'll come, you know, they see me and they, they kind of act in awe sometimes depending, you know, not 
some of the kids or something, but I've been asked, you know, so does the government give you a house when you have a baby? Wow. Wow. They think we are, they think we're like, you know, walking on marshmallows here, just, you know, when we have a baby, the government gives us a house. Um, Everyone here has mansions. These is all, these are things that I have been asked. Does everyone there have a mansion? Um, You know, uh, it's it, it's nuts and um i actually brought up to one of my older classes um we were there was a lesson on stereotypes and i asked them i tried to be you know as open as possible with them and and asked them you know what are some Amer- what are some stereotypes about americans that um that you hear or you know what are what's something about america that you want to ask me i've all you know i've always you know asked them i've always told them to be open with me if they want to ask me any question about America or Americans, I'm, I'm there. Um, but, uh, they, that those are the questions I get asked. (laughs) Um, I think they just think we're all super rich and, um, and happy and, and, and all of that. And I'm having to break it to them that, you know, I was like, no, I'm here because I can't afford to live in America. And I tell them how we compare prices all the time. I'll buy something and they'll, they're like, Oh, you're rich. They'll tell me I'm rich. They talk about money very openly there. Um, and I'm like, it's just about how much it would be in America. And they're like, I can't live there. You know, I yeah. can't live there. I, I feel like the, the commoners, you know, they're the, um, you know, normal red Chinese people or whatever. The ones that I've come across seem to think that we are all very well off. Um, which is yeah. fun to me. It it's is. Just, it's it's, funny. I try not to laugh at them because I don't want them to think I'm laughing at them. <laughs> right. right. You know? But yeah. so I have to like, no, we don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to laugh at them, but um, it, yeah, a way, it's, it's almost like a childlike But we think what we're told about Chinese people and what Chinese people are told about us is so different. They're just, they're, they're just they're just us they're just us they're just humans in another part of the world that's yeah, all totally with you so the same we, concerns and fears and happinesses and, and joys and all of that so um yeah it's it's just the same we're all the same when you got ready to to leave it was a little bit of a trick to get out right because the, i mean i assume a lot of people were trying to leave at once and did any of your expats go with you did, did like what happened in that scenario no, um, I actually, uh, it, <laughs> my leaving China for the second time is what you're talking about. I'm assuming the, um, the, you know, leaving to come here for the virus, yeah, that's correct? It. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I actually lucked out. I, 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 I had, I don't know how to explain it, but I was hearing that they were shutting flights, shutting flights, shutting flights. I decided to get out of Dodge. So I hopped on Google. And um, looked at Google Flights. Um, a friend of mine, uh, actually, right before I hopped on, a friend of mine who lives, uh, who was in San Francisco at the time, said, "We're in San Francisco. If you fi- if you can find something here, come here, and then I'll at least get you here. And then you know you can figure out your flight to New Orleans from there." And I was like, "Okay, cool. Well, now I have some options." I went on, and um, no options to New Orleans, but I found a flight immediately, a flight. Uh, from Shanghai to Taiwan to San Francisco uh, for a really good price or an average price, I guess. And um, 
in three, but it was that day in three hours, I was headed to the train station um, because I just hopped. I mean, I just hopped on that opportunity and I mean, just booked it, hopped on the opportunity and left. Um, so within three hours, I was looking at, you know, I booked my flight and then left and was on the train station wearing a mask, ready to come home. And I was so, um, you know, so focused on coming here, on coming here and not being stopped, you know, not being stopped, uh, you know, in Taiwan, not being allowed to get on the plane or not being allowed to board the plane you know, in Shanghai or something. Um, I just wanted it to happen as soon as possible. So I just, I mean, I was just go, go, go. Like I said, fight or flight was full force and, um, you know, got on the plane in Taiwan, uh, got to Shanghai, got on the plane in Taiwan, landed in San Francisco, um, had a little, you know, I had to stay in San Francisco airport holding area for a bit while they checked my temperature and, uh, asked me a few questions about, you know, being in China and how long I had been in and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, then I was let go. Um, and then I stayed with my friend for a few days in San Francisco and found a flight here that was, you know, reasonably priced. Got here and then got to New Orleans and I actually had to get to Alabama. So I took an, a night bus, a uh, Greyhound bus um, from New Orleans to Mobile that I found that was running. And um, my uh, niece picked me up from the Mobile Greyhound station at like 1230 at night uh, and brought me here. And I've been here ever since. I imagine that I imagine that 1230 a.m. pickup at the Greyhound station here was maybe one of the scariest parts of that entire journey. Fair to say? More annoying than scary. Yeah, got it. I was got it. More annoying. Um, I don't Not get scared easily. Um, right. And I was I was just more annoyed. Yeah. 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 It's just such a weird spot. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like going forward. So what is your process? Uh, and because, you know, fair to say you're, you're headed back tomorrow. No, day after tomorrow uh, in, in this world, Monday. Yeah. In this world, whenever this airs, it might be different. You're already there, hopefully already through quarantine or whatever. But what 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 is the process about going back? What is that decision like in your brain when you start thinking about it? What How does that work out for you? My immediate thought was, I'm not going back. <laughs> that was my immediate thought. I was against it. I, I started panicking. I have, you know, um, I have anxiety issues and uh, it just flared those up. Um, so I'd say for about half a day when uh, my boss, because at first it was, you know, I was insistent on, I want a date that the school is open before I come back. Um, because I don't want to go back, go through quarantine and then just be stuck there. Not, you know, not able to do it. That was one thing I was avoiding when I was, you know, coming here was not being, you know, stuck at home in quarantine in China. So um, my first thought when my boss texted me and she was like, hey, Lindy, when are you coming back? Um, they're saying the schools are probably going to reopen in mid-April. And um, I'm worried you're going to be stuck there. That flights are going to be shut down in America and blah, 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 since it's flaring up there. And my thought was, where's that date I was looking for? <laughs> I don't know. I want a date, you know, kind of hiding behind that. Um, and, uh, and then it just kind of, I thought about it. Um, my first, you know, like I said, I was no, no, no. And then I really had my gut. I, I think my gut um, started, uh, you know, talking and um, I started thinking about why I went in the first place. 
um, and why I was sad to leave, why I was upset to be here when I first got, when I first got back to America, I haven't told anybody this, but like when I first got back to America after being in China, um, after fleeing, you know, I was looking back, 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 making sure everything was going to happen. When I got back to America, it was like being let out of a tornado and I had no plans. I had, I hadn't, I hadn't realized that I had to kind of prepare myself to come back and unlearn all that I had learned to live in China, all that culture shock I went through, um, you know, everything from little to very big things that I was going through. I had my own culture shock coming back. Um, and, you know, I just kind of had to think about and assess um, all that I've been through, not just what I want to do now, but what I've been through to get to this point and what it's worth to me, what all that I've been through is worth to me. And do I want to give up now? Because that's how I would have felt that I, I would have felt I was giving up on this, the most, the, the, the most major life-changing undertaking I have ever, um, you know, the most un, that, that I've ever tried to accomplish or, you know, succeed at or whatever. Um, you know, did I want to give that up? Because I, I mean, if, if I didn't go back to China, they would have to refill, they would have to fill my position. I would lose my position. And yeah, I can get a job at another school or, you know, or something or another country or something, but I want my school. I want my country. That's what's been working for me so well um, is the people I'm around, my kids. I love my kids, my students. Um, I miss them. I was listening to um, their homework assignments. They have to tell us things in English, you know, say words in English for their homework assignments. I spent the first few days I was in America going back to old homework assignments listening to my kids' voices because I miss them so much. Um, do I want to give that up or do I want to suffer through a little more crap, um, get that experience, learn things that, you know, get the experience that other people won't get and, and, and learn things, learn lessons and, and maybe get ideas. I don't know. Every, everything that happens to me, I try to turn it into a lesson and into um, you know, just something to learn from good, bad, whatever. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's just a way that I've lived, I've moved through life and I didn't want to regret not going back. I didn't want to regret giving up my life. I didn't want to give up my life. And as soon as I had that idea that I would be giving up my life that I've loved for the last few months, um, I'm not done yet over there. Um, it's not, you know, I don't plan on living there the rest of my life, who knows, but, I'm not done yet. So um, I just decided that was when I decided that, you know, I'm going to do what it takes. Other people are going through it. I can do it too. I've been through worse. Um, I can document it. I can share it with, you know, my friends, my people who have been sharing my journey so far, this is going to be part of it. And, um, you know, I'm happy to share it. Sharing helps. Um, I'm sure you understand uh, you know, sharing, sharing things, you know, it helps you process. And, you know, of course, other people's opinions and advice is always helpful, but um, I just do it to stay connected. Um, and I'll continue to do that because it, it, it helps me. It helps other people seem to be helped by it and enjoy it. I know that they show it to their kids. Um, and I want to continue to be able to do that and to do it in the place that I know makes me happy. And that's not common for me to be 
in that position. And, and, and so I'm, I'm going to fight for that. That's what I'm doing. I got to tell you, like just listening to that piece, I, uh, I, I switched off a two shot so I could wipe a couple of tears away. I, I mean, seriously, uh, like that's so like, I, I think if anything from this, like we can talk about the, the conversation about any of the other stuff, but the, the fact is that that moment where you just told us like, Hey, I came back, I realized that I missed that more is the most, one of the most beautiful things I've heard throughout this entire scenario of anybody's stories of whatever we're dealing with as a global pandemic is the fact that it's just a reminder that not only does life keep going, but there are people that have literally dedicated themselves. You've dedicated yourselves as a kids in a foreign country because you care about them. That's so freaking beautiful and so rare to get in the world when our Facebook feeds and other crap are just clogged up with negativity and political crap. The fact that you can make that statement and make it with conviction, seriously, like I could sit here and cry a little bit, not going to, going to think about puppies or something else, but like straight up that's emotionally resonating. I'm not just being obsequious, like truly mean that hands down, beautiful thing, truly. Well, I, you know, thank you, I guess. I, I just, um, it's just what I feel. I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Um, but that's just, that's how we, that's how I think. And I think that's how I, you know what, honestly, I think that's how more people think than they, than, than, than we realize, than we hear and see. Um, you know, I have a little bit more, uh, it's funny. I, as, as, as pissed off as some people are getting, um, at you know what people are saying on Facebook and everything I don't I just don't let it get to me that much because I've seen another I and this is part of the you know what makes it so wonderful and one of the reasons that I'm you know uh one of the reasons I wanted to live in another country and stuff is I've seen another perspective I've seen people coming together and um you know, and, and, and really rallying for their community and doing what's necessary. I know that we're capable of that. Um, and it's not just, you know, I know that those people aren't just in, in China. Those people are here too. Um, they're just not being as vocal about it as maybe they should be. Um, you know, uh, people, we're better than we think we are. I think we have to have a little more faith in each other. Um, you know, I, I think that I really do believe that, uh, you know, yeah, other people are going to be too selfish and they're going to hoard and other people are going to not listen to directions. Um, let them be those people, try to educate them. Um, but don't let it fester in your, in your everyday attitude about humanity and what people are and what people are capable of and can be because, there are so many people in this world more than what we see on Facebook and on social media. Um, and I just choose not to focus on the negativity, the, the um, greed, um, you know, the lies, the fear mongering, all of that. Um, right. Just, you know, be pragmatic, listen to educated um, suggestions and, you know, take care of each other. Um I don't, you know, I, I really just, I'm not, get, I have too much to deal with to get upset with other people's opinions. <laughs> and that's all it is. It's just other people's opinions. I've, no, I, 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 I just think it was, it was just a nice moment. Like I, for me, it's just, I love having those kind of conversations. That's why I think this stuff is important. Having these, having different perspectives and voices 
Certainly somewhere down the road, doesn't matter. The pandemic could be far over, but somebody could get this and I guarantee you it's going to resonate. If it resonated with one, it'll resonate with many. And then all of a sudden we've helped that many people. That's like, that's a beautiful thing. So I thank you for kind of contributing that. Uh, I have one last kind of uh, one or two, but this primary last question you leave soon. What is your, what does that travel situation look like? Is it, is it crazy chaos or is it, do you think it's a little more, cause it seemed like some post I read, you kind of had some organization, like your expats were helping you. What's going on with the travel back over there? Like, yeah. Um, well, it's not chaos. Uh, it's, it's very organized. Um, it seems like they are, I, from what I'm reading, they seem to be doing a tremendous job considering the volume, uh, that they're having to, uh, deal with, but, um, and by they, I'm talking about Shanghai Pudong international airport, um, which is where I'm going to be flying in. So that's the one that I'm watching. Um, I'm going to be flying, taking off on Monday. I'm going to be flying from new Orleans to LAX to Taiwan to Shanghai. Um, and from, I'm, I'm kind of starting to look at Taiwan as well, because I don't know what airlines are doing in regards to, I mean, are they just going to let us, oh, they're off to China, just go. Um, but I'm thinking if people are coming from LAX going to Taiwan, they're going to take these measures as well. And from what I understand from the expat community, um, the measures they are taking are as follows. Um, we land in Shanghai. Uh, a few people in hazmat suits board the plane. They call out names. Um, I think those are what I assume are those. Those are names of people who are coming from high risk countries. I think I will be one of those names. Um, they're going to do, uh, they take those people off. They take them out in groups of three to five or whatever. When that is done, then they will say, okay, the rest of you can onboard. And then you go through certain medical checks. Of course, they take your temperature and all of that before you uh, deplane and everything. From what I understand, um, I will then be taken off to a, kind of a, a holding part of the airport where, um, and this is what I'm unclear of uh, as far as where I'm going to do my quarantine. I'm definitely going to do a quarantine. Um, it's whether or not it's going to be at home or um, in a hotel. Um, and that is supposed to be according to the local government. The government that I, where I reside um, is uh, going to um, advise us of that. Um, from what I understand, though, if I choose to be tested for the virus at the airport, I am to wait there until um the test you know comes back and they've been taking 12 to 16 hours to come back i think um and uh, i'll be tested and if it's negative i might be able to go home i'll, I'll have a ride um home um to do my uh, quarantine there otherwise um if i either test positive or if someone on my plane tested positive uh, or someone in my holding area tested positive, something like that. Um, or if I'm showing symptoms, then I'll definitely have to be put in hotel quarantine. Um, all the travel is arranged. The tests are free. Um, you know, once I get off the plane, I mean, I'm going to have people just telling me where to go. But my boss is informed, um, the local government. Uh, I, have to, I had to give seven days notice uh, oh, wow. to the local government um, that I was coming in. Okay. So uh, 
they could, I guess, make sure I have room in a hotel and, 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 and all of that. But they are very, very strategic and very organized there. Um, the only thing uh, that makes it maybe seem disorganized is the delay because of so many people coming in and the crowds and, and how many people they're having to test and how many people, you know, waiting for rides to and from different hotels and all of that. Um, it's a mess, but it's, or, you know, that part's a mess, but it's, they've organized it as much as possible and they have a coding system in China. Um, you know, once I get through quarantine, I'll still be, right. uh, you know, uh, subject to that. You know, every, every Chinese citizen is subject to their coding system, red, yellow, green, all of that. So um, as far as what to expect after I get out of quarantine, I'm expecting, um, you know, it to be a little better than what it was when I left. I think they still take temperatures there um, and they check your code. Um, and I think that's it. I think everything else, you know, businesses are starting to run, restaurants are back up. Uh, they're tar- starting to talk about school coming back in at some point. Um, it's just they, getting they are- interesting. Oh yeah. They, and they go, do they go year round in China? No, okay. no, they don't go year round. Uh, they do have about two months off in the summer, Okay. but what the thing, the, the, mis- the what happens with you know, Chinese students, they go to school at like, we go to school, but then they also have extra classes. Um, they do extracurricular classes, English classes, math, karate. I mean, all of that, all their extracurricular stuff is, is still done during the summer and on weekends. So they still have to go to classes during the summer but it's not school. Got it. What about like in terms of, uh, and this will be the last one uh, in terms of being around here. Have you, did you find yourself like, all right, you land back in. Did you like jack your precautions even higher? Like, okay, I'm on super personal lockdown 3000 now. Or like, what did you do in terms of getting ready to, to make that journey back? Oh, to make the journey back. Or just in general, like once you got here, I mean, New Orleans has has a, a few, you know, because the the people, you know, it's it's spreading in the U.S. fairly quickly. It just yeah. Well, I got I got here a month and a half ago, so I got here at a time be- way before all of these measures were taken. Uh, when I got here, it was like coming from a sick area to a non-sick area. When I got, you know, I went from, you know, China where 100% of the people were wearing masks without question. Um, you know, you're being checked for temperatures everywhere you were, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was stressful and, and, um, you know, people were looking at you and, and all. um, but then when I got here, it's like mask, nobody was wearing a mask. It was business as usual here when I got here and I've been sheltered at my sister's house here in Grand Bay ever since really. I mean, we go to the store and stuff, but I haven't been out and about, um, you know, in the, in the last month and a half. So, um, yeah, when I got here in America, it was business as usual. Um, stark, stark comparison to the way it was, you know, how I left China. And now okay. I'm leaving America kind of in the same. Yeah, it's funny. Of- it's like, it's like, uh, where nobody's wearing masks. <laughs> right. Going back, right. Where you can go back to that normalcy again. It's kind of fascinating if you look at it. And look, it's all cyclical. We'll see what happens on that side. So what I, I love, know, your- it might do this, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It might surge yeah. back up in China after a while. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not either. And I'm not going to pretend to play one, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn last night. So I can't even use that joke to give me quality. All right. So that's, uh, that's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for hanging out. If you have questions, uh, feel free to throw them in the comments and we'll, we'll answer them best we can. 
and just look out for our live broadcast. We did this one not live, uh, but a lot of times we try and go live. So it's more raw, more organic, more on the cusp. Um, but whenever we have a chance to have that conversation, join us. Uh, if you're not listening, or if maybe you are listening right now onto the podcast version called Either Way, uh, you're always welcome to listen to that, uh, or you're watching on YouTube or potentially Facebook. Uh, there's a podcast version. It's audio only, no pictures, no faces, just listening to the sounds. That's available as well if you'd like to check it out. Thank you for hanging out once again. And please, please, please be safe, be well. God bless, Godspeed, good luck. Mm -hmm.